This morning, I'll be reading from the Gospel of Matthew, first from chapter 6, verse 12, and then from chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. If you'd like to follow along in your pew Bibles, you can find the first verse on page 4 of the New Testament section, and the next verses on page 15. Matthew 6:12 reads, And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. It's the section of the Lord's Prayer that we'll be looking at today. The next passage is a familiar one. It's the parable of the unforgiving servant. Hear the teachings of Jesus. Then Peter came to him and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. And, as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. And then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. We celebrate the written word of Scripture. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Debts, trespasses, sins... They're all different words to describe some pretty bad stuff. Depending on your tradition, you might have heard any of these phrases. Debts is more common in the Reformed tradition, and it's what I grew up hearing and saying and singing. Our Father, who art in heaven. Yeah, I think you know the one. Some of you may not necessarily care for that song, but... Trespasses is used more commonly in Anglican and Methodist churches. Other churches, like ours, use sins. Though, to tell the truth, I hadn't actually heard sins used in the Lord's Prayer until I started worshipping here. Funny thing, those three little words. 
Without insisting that one choice of word is better than another, it's useful to point out that each variation has biblical merit. Matthew 6.12, as we read earlier, uses debts. Skipping ahead a little, verses 14 and 15 read, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Later, in Luke 11.4, the prayer reads, And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. In the Greek, like in our English translations, three different words are used, and they all basically mean the same thing. None of them are necessarily wrong. I think that's one of the beautiful things about prayer, that there really isn't a wrong way to do it. No one can compel our prayers, and no one can prevent us from, par- from praying. We don't have to use a bunch of these and thous. We don't have to say exactly the right things. Earlier, we heard Daniel's prayer for the people, which was heartfelt and true. But we don't necessarily need to use quite as many words, and we certainly don't need to wear sackcloth and spread ashes all over ourselves in order to show our repentance. As we've discovered over the course of this Lenten season, Jesus taught us to pray to God and talk plainly. From his use of Abba, a term of endearment like Papa or Daddy, we've discerned that he wants us to be comfortable and familiar with God. So we might pray like this. Forgive me, God, for not, taking, for not opening my eyes to see the hurt around me. Or we're sorry, Mother God, for taking advantage of your beautiful creation and not doing enough to stop climate change. Or, God, I'm sorry for getting angry at that driver who cut me off on the freeway today. But they really should have waited their turn. And it's not like they could hear me yelling at them to watch where they're going or they're going to cause an accident. Asking God to forgive us is one thing. But remember what Jesus said. We need to forgive others, too. Recall Peter's question to Jesus. How many times should I forgive? As many as seven times? Not seven times, Jesus replies, but I tell you, 77 times. I suppose Jesus was being metaphorical, as 77 is an awfully specific number, but the meaning remains. Forgiveness should be sought every time there is a wrongdoing. It's even in our polity. In the last section of our Book of Order, The Rules of Discipline, There are outlined the important biblical obligations of forgiveness and restitution, as well as judicial processes for people who are under scrutiny from the church for some trespass they've committed. The one-page preamble summarizes it pretty well. The purpose of discipline is to honor God by making clear the significance of membership in the body of Christ, to preserve the purity of the church by nourishing the individual within the life of the believing community, to achieve justice and compassion for all participants involved, and to correct or restrain wrongdoing in order to bring members to repentance and restoration. Repentance and restoration. Further down the page, We read, the power that Jesus Christ has vested in his church, a power manifested in the exercise of church discipline, 
is not is one for building up the body of Christ, not for destroying it, for redeeming and not for punishing. It should be exercised as a dispensation of mercy and not of wrath, so that the great ends of the church may be achieved, that all children of God may be presented faultless in the day of Christ. Forgiveness, then, is multifaceted. Repentance, restoration, and redemption. Repenting, apologizing sincerely for the injury done, is a must, and it has to come earnestly and honestly from the heart. A genuine promise of changed behavior goes right along with it. For restoration, it means the forgiven one getting back to a place of honor and friendship. Redemption need not be equated with atonement, no thank you, John Calvin, but instead should focus on making good on that promise of changed behavior and repentance. A man steals a loaf of bread to to feed his hungry family. He's caught, and he begs the shopkeep to have mercy on him. Instead of sending him off to prison, the shopkeep puts the man to work to pay back the cost of the bread, but also providing an opportunity for the man to earn some money to help feed his family. Repentance, restoration, and redemption. Now, addendum. All of this is not to say that forgiveness is always easy. Forgiveness can be hard. People who've experienced trauma can have an especially hard time forgiving the perpetrator or what was done to them. It can take months, years, even whole lifetimes to achieve. For some, it never happens at all. In therapy, some professionals, won't, some professionals won't use the word forgiveness because all too often people struggle with it, and rightfully so. They don't want to imply that what happened to them was in any way okay or to excuse the perpetrator's outright malicious behavior. Licensed mental, mental health practitioner Anastasia Pollock encourages her patients to find a different word other than forgiveness to help move them past and heal from their trauma. She likes the word unburdening. She writes, I understand unburdening as a letting go process. That is, letting go of the power the trauma has over a person, expressing and releasing anger and other strong emotions about what happened without criticism or expectation about what needs to come next. She also emphasizes the importance of not pushing others into forgiving an abuser. It's much more helpful to validate that the person is entitled to their feelings, however negative they may be, in order to help that person move on, unburdened from their pain, and to thrive. Like grief, forgiveness is a process taking many steps and a lot of time to overcome and heal. For me, it's taken several years to forgive my abusers, and I'm still working on it. Like many other women, I've experienced sexual assault. I've worked through my trauma and healed a lot of my wounds, and only after having done that work was I able to forgive the ones responsible. In no way was what happened to me okay, nor was it my fault. And I've had to forgive myself for thinking that it was my fault. Thank you, victim-blaming. But only through forgiving myself and allowing myself to heal 
have I come to even say the words, I forgive you. I don't have contact with any of those men because I don't want to reopen my wounds and go through the process all over again. And some may not call that true forgiveness, but I won't sacrifice my safety and well-being to try and prove otherwise. Certainly, God calls us to forgive, but I also think that forgiveness can simply be that letting go process that Dr. Pollock mentioned, so that hurt doesn't pin us down forever. Friends, we've covered a lot of ground today. Remember that forgiveness is multifaceted. Forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness is a choice. And ultimately, forgiveness is an unburdening freedom. May it be so for you, and may it be so for me. Amen.